0: from the hills reconfigure your life change your heart and prepare you for all that god has destined you to be welcome to the hills church ephesians 3 let's read ephesians 3 14 to 17. ephesians 3 14 to 17. Says, when i think of all this i fall to my knees and pray to the father the creation of everything in heaven and on earth and i pray that from his glorious unlimited resources he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Amen. Yesterday we started off by saying that God is, everything is about, everything is about, and we learned that God is on a mission. And God has invited us, created us, molded us, and invited us to be with him on that mission. Right? And we learned that this mission of God is in two parts, right? And we're currently in part A, which is reconciling all men to himself. Praise God. Hallelujah. So we're going to dwell on this part of the mission. So my topic was replenishing, sorry, not was, is replenishing the soul. But it will make sense to you at the end of, of everything, you know. Just follow me as I go through this part. So this morning I'm going to be talking about one of the strategies that God is using to replenish the earth, right? One of God's core strategy or arrowhead strategy for replenishing the earth is through family life, right? Because it's amazing how it went yesterday and how when Paul was speaking in Ephesians 5, he says that he was speaking of Christ and the church but he was admonishing Christians on how to live in family life. And it made me wonder that why, why will you be admonishing Christians how to live in family life, but you speak of Christ and the church? And yesterday we learned that the typology of removing female from male in Genesis 1 is a typology of Christ of God removing his bride from Christ through the sacrifice of Jesus in his death. Yes, and so that means yesterday we read that we are Christ's ambassadors. That means we are like a show glass of Jesus, of God. That means anything that God wants to reveal on the earth, he uses us as the show glass to reflect his image. So if was speaking Ephesians 5 and he was talking about family but he speaks of Christ and church that means family life was designed by God as a reflective mirror to mirror God's relationship with man so how you live in your family shows the world how God intends to relate to them so family is not for companionship while you are on earth So it's not like you have a family then you are going to do the work of God. Family is designed as the work of God to reflect the desire of God. In the fact that God's desire for us is to relate with us as a father to a child. Are you getting me so far? And so if we are going to replenish the earth with the image of God, and we are going to do that through procreation, whether physically or spiritually, then there's something about family life that is important to God. Does that make sense? So when God, through scripture, was revealing himself to us, it is not a coincidence that... Is it? It's not pronoun. It's... That thing that is to put in front of something to explain the thing. Yes, thanks. <laughs> it's not a coincidence that the adjectives used to describe God include father, Jesus, son, we, bride. It's not a coincidence that the, in Genesis 1 we see a family made And in Revelations, we end with a wedding. So it is a distortion of image, if a person holds a mic to minister on behalf of God, and his family is not right. Because you are displaying two different images of one message. And why do you think it's difficult when you take the message of the gospel to your family members and they cannot really listen to you because the image of Christ you displayed in being a part of that family does not resemble the words that you speak. God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confirm the one. You would think that when God was coming to the earth, he would have come. Uh -uh. What are you talking about? If it's me. (laughs) What are we? No. Why is the cloud not parting? Why is the sun not escorting me down? You, You would think that that's how Jesus would have come, right? But he came through a family, and he learned obedience through the things he suffered. He learned to walk, and talk, and listen to his mother and father. Even when he went about his father's business, discussing in the temple, and his mother was looking for him, whoa, if that mother was Nigerian, whoa, Jesus would have seen things. But the Bible never recorded that Jesus disobeyed his mother or that he repeated the mistake because he was God. So there's a reason why this strategy, God is using it to replenish the earth. One of the reasons I believe this is so incredibly, because number one, we are all born into a family. That means family is a starting point for Every person, Jew or Greek, high or low, shepherd or pharaoh, family is the number one grounding point where we all begin. And so if God is telling his story, he has to tell his story from the beginning. Praise God. So I've spoken about the fact that God is using family as a strategy, so physically and spiritually, yes? So we'll talk about that in a bit, right? And then, you know, yesterday we discussed about how God's ultimate plan is to replenish his glory over the earth and to use us as the vessels to replenish that glory. So we're supposed to create Eden everywhere that we go in every, in, in every field that we are. So if we're going to get this family life right, Ephesians 5, when Paul was speaking, every analogy that he made was about Christ and the church. It was not just at the end. It says, Husbands, love your wife as... and gave himself for her. Why submit to your husband? You know that one now, wala in the church. But he qualifies it by saying, as, as submit yourselves to your own husband, as unto the Lord, right? How does the church submit to Christ? We submit to Christ by trusting his leadership and his vision, by trusting that Christ is from God, hears from God, and we see Christ in him and we submit to the Christ that we see. So, as the church, we submit to Jesus because he's from God. So it's difficult to submit to a husband who is not a Christian that does not listen and follow God, because you are not sure of the source of his leadership and vision. So when you go for counseling and they say, don't marry an unbeliever, I'm like, no, but he's nice, and he's generous, and he makes me laugh. Ha, ha, ha. They don't, they don't say these things for fun or because, oh, it's written in scripture, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, so therefore, that's it. We don't know why. But as they say, get why? Because when you go through, because we live in a falling world and we will definitely go through pain and hardship, you need leadership. That is in view of Christ. Because the example Jesus left for us, he says, I do not do anything of my own accord. But I do what I see the Father doing. So if you marry a son of God, you know he's reflecting the image of Christ. And you can trust that enough to submit to that leadership. So that means even if you are not even hearing if you are following you, are going the right place. But yeah, because at the end, it's only individually, we all no marriage in heaven, they've already told us. Praise God. I'm establishing this, this family life strategy, right? Because at the end of this conference, you may be asking yourself, okay, so how do I begin? So how do I start? So now, how do I want to replenish the air? Like, where do I start from? Since we are all born into a family, or we have a family, we have a starting point. We have a beginning place. So before you, they say charity begins. So the gospel that you've heard, let it transform you enough to transform the people around you. And then you can have enough practice to go into the world to replicate what you have done in your Eden. So he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go into the world and make disciples of all nations, right? And so says in Jerusalem, that's in your home, yes? In Judea, around you, then Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. Praise God. So there are a few things that we must see if we are going to abide by this strategy of God, family life. Number one, and that's why I say it past most so my message. Number one, you must see God as father. We are more used to seeing God as God, ruler, king, boss, than we are to seeing God as father. Because it's something that we are used to. Yes, so because we're born here, you've seen errors of kings and kingdoms and rulers. We have presidents, we have judges. So it's easy to relate to that aspect of God because you are used to it and you understand it. And another reason why we are comfortable there is because we know how to navigate these systems. So when there's a ruler, you know that, oh, all I need to do is to do the right thing. If I do the right thing, the wrath of the ruler will not follow me. And when we approach God, we approach God trying our best just to do the right thing. I just want to get it right so that God's anger will bypass me. And, but we fail to see that God's strategy right from the beginning was his relationship with us. God wants to relate with you. God does not want your love out of compulsion. God does not, because whatever culture you begin, your relationship with God, is what you will spread through evangelism. However you know God is the vehicle through which you will share him to others. So over the years in our Christian faith, there are so many, um, what they call it, revelations of God that have come through different um, errors so there were there was the there was the error of the deliverer right in our parents time so the, the god to them was the deliverer you know there's always deliverance services and binding and casting of demons and that is really an aspect of god yeah but the issue is if you only see god through one lens you will not experience the fullness of god that is available to all of us. So our parents showed us the deliverer. The one that always come true. And you will see it in their lives. You will see it in their prayers. You will see it in their devotions. You will see it in their message when they are speaking to God. Because they have tasted and seen the God who has delivered them. So after them we have seen the miracle working God. Yes, the one that answers prayers, the one that steps in at the right time, the one that changes impossible situations. So we understand that God. And 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 then the error of having one message is that that is the God we push and we make sure that we we try to box everybody in that view of God and to make them see another view of God is almost like treachery. So Your prayer has to sound a particular way. Your fasting has to be for the miracle. The testimony of your success in Jesus is by the miracles that are visibly seen in your life. But that's not all true. And the problem with half-truths is that it's more dangerous than a lie. Because a lie can be called out outrightly, but a half-truth takes a while to discern but by the time you figured it out, it has impacted you. So I'm not God is a miracle working God. I have seen it. This is my eyes. But that's not all of God. But there's an aspect of God that covers a multitude of these aspects of God, which is his fatherhood. In his fatherhood is his defense. In his fatherhood is his miracles, his provision. In his fatherhood is his love. In his fatherhood is his judgment. In his fatherhood is his discipline. In his fatherhood is his chastisement. The Bible says that I chastise those that I... So when we, when we see God as father, we are able to embrace a good amount of the knowledge of God. We will never fully know God until we go to be like him right? but in this realm the fatherhood of God covers in his fatherhood is his protection, is his covering so when when you say God is your cover, God hides you inside of him like a hen covers a cheek, that means anything that wants to get to you has to go through God who we'll get that mind, do you, do you understand? So you need to see God as a father. And, and the problem with that, so I'm going to talk about this in two ways. One of the problems we have is that the examples of fatherhood that we have seen does not make it exciting for us to view God as father. Why did you not take first in class? The person I took first, That's not the kind of judgment that you're looking for. Because a father's word is supposed to affirm and build you up, even, even in correction. The corrections of God are always redemptive. They are always to reel you back and realign you. Always. There is no judgment of God as simply a punishment. Just because I'm, I'm above you, I need to remind you that I'm above you. God is not conceited. God is not looking for your validation to be God. God is not excited that you are aware of his Godness. So when, when they on the cross and they were, they, were, they were talking to Jesus anyhow, Jesus said, I can command a legion of angels and they will be here. Do you know what a legion is? A legion is a commander over a hundred units and we know what one <laughs> so he was telling them know that your your i am on my father's business whether all these questions you are asking me you cannot kill me i lay down my life so number one we need god to re give us a revelation of his fatherhood we need god to come and teach us what fatherhood really looks like and do you know why that is very important because it gives us a proper example on how to father as well so there are two sides to this thing number one we need god to replenish the image of fatherhood to us in our lives by giving us a revelation of who he is now number two that revelation of god now gives us an example on how to be fathers ourselves My dad, bless his soul, yes, was such a great dad, that when my mom, my mom led me to Christ, and my mom spoke to me, like it's not by force. We sat down, she talked to me about Jesus, told me about God, and she told me, she brought Jesus to me as a father and asked me to think about if I had any questions to ask her. But it was not such a hard concept to grasp because of the example of fatherhood that I had. So if God, as a father, is a better version of this father that I have, then I will most likely be in good hands. My father never made me feel like, I was stupid because I was a child. By that I mean not like stupid, like foolish insult, but like maybe if I ask a question, he would always answer. He would always respond. He would always explain. He believed in my capacity to understand. And my dad would always say that nobody's spirit is born human. Like your spirit does not grow from childhood to adulthood. It's the connection between your spirit and your soul. That's your mind and your reasoning. That's your, basically your mind catches up to the spirit of God in you to, for your lived out experience. So if the spirit of God in him is the spirit of God in me, he can explain the things of the Spirit to me. It's just that he has to do it in a way that my mind can understand. And do you know what that did to me? It's not just that he gave me knowledge, it empowered me to believe that I was enough for whatever it is that God was saying concerning me. See, the examples are plenty. There was a day my dad went out and bought biscuits the nice, nice ones were four girls. He bought four biscuits intentionally, I know. And luxury biscuits, I think there was one nice. You know nice, the one that has sugar. It's not this one. This one is not nice. The nice, the real nice, that there was real sugar. You can see it. He bought four, sat down. All of us ran. We are just like, we have already selected the ones that we're all fighting. He didn't say anything. He just left the biscuit there. Then when he finished, he called my mom and I said, "Ah, that he went out. to she saw biscuits and he bought biscuits for her. She come and take it." <laughs> I was like, "What is going on here? Biscuit that we have arranged, we have scheduled. How ah, we are going to eat it?" <laughs> and then my dad said something that has never left. Him. This was how many years ago. He says, "We children are a gift to him, and his wife is a choice. And so every day he makes a choice." concerning her. We are a gift from God. God is our father. God will take care of us. But his wife is a choice that He made and has to make that choice every day. So when he went out, saw biscuits that she loved, he made a choice to buy it for her. Hey! Oh! So then I was hurt. You know? I, I, we two were telling that we two will marry. We two will marry one day. They will buy biscuit for us. But what, what I did not know was that when I was getting married, I married someone that saw me as a choice. And that would make that choice with God every day. So when they bring to you and say God is a father, I know that God chooses me. It's not something, it's not a theoretical knowledge, it's not something that I debate. Even in the bad times, I can see, I'm able to see his mercy choosing me. I'm able to see his goodness choosing me in my pain. I'm able to see the truth of the scripture that says, I will not give you more than you can bear. And even when it feels like that, I would always make a way of escape. Praise God. Isaiah 64, eight says, And yet, O Lord, you are my Father. We are the clay and you are the potter, and we are all formed by your hands. The next thing that I want us to see about God is, God wants to make our hearts his home. So, what do you do? Let me just take a poll. If you have been in a hotel before, what do you add to the hotel while you are staying? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. In fact, you take away from the hotel. If the shampoo, if you are noticing that the shampoo they are dropping is every day, you just be like, I might as well carry it. Because there's budgets for another one, and if I don't carry it, somebody will. I might as well be doing them a favor. Please, this is not an advice. (laughs) Okay? Some people even are bold, they move cutleries. (laughs) Yes, it's the boldness for me, do you get? Towels. (laughs) It's not good though, don't do it. Don't do it, it's not good. Okay, but what do you do when you finally buy your house? What do you do? You add to it. You make it a home. You make it habitable. You make it into your own Eden. Because inbuilt in our DNA is the ability to replicate Eden. So when you get a space, no matter how small, no matter how small, once the place is your own, your natural instinct is to make it a home, and we have that because we are cut from the same cloth as God, and so God wants to make our hearts His home because we are His. We are His small space on the earth, and He wants to come and make. He wants to add. He says that we may the prayer that we may be full with all the fullness of God. God makes his, our heart his home. He doesn't want, in, in your house you don't plan when you leave your house to live forever, do you? You plan as a place to always dwell and always stay. God doesn't want to be a guest in the apartment of your heart. God wants to make it his space. He wants to make it his home. He wants to be able to come into your heart and pull off his shoes and relax. I'm, I'm, I'm at home here. And the truth is that when God does that, you make, when you get your home, you make it as comfortable as you want it. Not as comfortable as the agent who sold the house to you. So don't be, don't, because it sounds really beautiful. Oh God, what's to make my heart, his home. That means everything's going to be all beautiful. No, 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 not exactly. Yes, but when God is coming, God is, He's changing the carpets. He's hitting the nails on the wall so that he can hang the paintings. He's sweeping and dusting and cleaning and pruning and changing everything until it is habitable for him. To dwell. When God has made your heart your home, when you cry, Abba, Father, you are crying from home. Nobody has to come and use a song to cajole you. Oh, lift up your hands to the God of your father. You know. Who here can somebody come and tell you about your dad? More than, because you know the, the A and the B and the I I under the A. The one that, you know, people don't see. And that makes, that, that draws your love. See, when, let me give you an example. There was, there, was a, there was a day when we were growing up that there was no food in the house, you know? Growing up was, was not very easy. But I, Well, I did not really notice it because of, well, how much love we had in our house. Everybody, let's celebrate. Bello and Thank you. Praise God. Amen. I beg someone should be timing me. Hmm. So when we're growing up, there was, there was a time, there were times in our house where you know, we, we did not have much. We did not have food basically, we did not have. And I, I watched my mom trying. She was she was writing. I think she had like. You should not laugh. Home. I think she had like ten naira. Or so you no, know, then it was a lot. So it was not bleached then. So she was writing, writing, writing how to manage it. You know, and my dad just he just stood up. He went out. Mm, he didn't come back home for a long time. And after he came back home, you know, came back home with some money, and he told her that, you know, he doesn't want her to worry. He's going to do everything that he can to ensure that she has, we have what we need. And I just... So, if you had... So on that day, uh, you know, my mom, she did, she did, she did right by that money. The market so we did get. And... So, but... That drew at love from my heart. Because if you had come to my house and we had offered you food to eat, you'd be like, oh, these people have food at home, right? And they are very generous. So you'd be like, ah, these people are nice. But I know how that came about. I know the story behind that. And that's my, your appreciation for my home, and my appreciation for my home will not be on the same level So when the gospel of Jesus, of God, coming as a baby to die for you, to redeem you from the clutches of death so you can have everlasting life in him. It comes from home. It comes from a place of knowing that God did not have to do that. But he did just so that he can make your heart his home. And not just his home for dwelling. So that you can become everything that God created you to be. Because God is not seeing Just redeeming us from death. God is seeing the possibilities of a mission co-laborer that he has fashioned with exquisite taste for the redemption of the world. That is what he's seeing. And so when God invites you, he says in Revelation, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens it, I will come in and be with him. So the says, "Sup with him and he will be with me so that the testimony that we can have of God is the testimony that Jesus had of him when he said, I and my father are one. When you have a home, you are not thinking of when to leave or an expiry date. And so when we read in Ephesians, yes in Ephesians 3 and he says that when I think of all these I fall to knees and pray to the Father and Creator of everything heaven and earth and I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources he will empower you inner strength to your spirit then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust in him hallelujah that's number two number three please how many minutes do I have left? Just tell me the truth. <laughs> you can say it. Just help me. 15 10 Is it 10 or 15? Okay. Okay. So I'm going to I'm going to try and Okay. So God wants to make our house home. Number three, love and duty is what binds a family. But our duty is born out of love. And you can see why God uses family as a mirror to showcase who he is. Because the things that we do for, for, for God, we don't do them to earn his love. We do it because we are loved. Our duty to God is born out of his love. And it's not born out of our love for him. Because the love of God is shared abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. If the things that we do are born out of our love for God, then the things that we do will be selfish, prideful, and faulty. Because the love that you have seen in human is born out of give and take, which is something that we have learned. So you love your friends so much, when you are talking about the testimony of your love for your friends, it's usually tied to how they've come through for you. So even if it's not intentional, it is still transactional. And the reason why we are quick to counsel people is because the transaction is no longer complete. So they are no longer giving for you to take. And it's diminishing your bank. And so your love is reduced. And that's why God cannot depend on our love for him to execute our duty to him. And that is why it is his love for us that allows us to execute our duty to him. Because we are born of love. Do you understand? When you say we are born of love, it doesn't mean like how two people love each other and they have a child. No, that's not how we are born. God is love as a nature, not as an action. The actions of God are done born of his nature And that's why anything that God does is love. Even if he doesn't feel lovely. Because he is love. It's like, if T.Y. Bello does something, who does it? That's it. God is love. And anything God does is love. Just the way God is good. Somebody says something so profound. I'll never forget. He says... When we see, if God allows us to go through something painful, for instance, because God is good by nature, then it must have been good for God to have allowed it to happen. Do you understand? So, our duty to God, this is, what, this is what I'm saying. Family is the arrowhead strategy that God is going to use to replenish it. And if we're going to do anything on behalf of God, and we are doing it because we are trying to earn his love, then we are doing it from a misplaced place. And then we are going to be lost. Because you are going to be wondering why your actions of love are not commensurate to the things that God should be giving you. Because when you do things out of love, your love has an expectation. And if the things you are receiving, does not measure up to the expectation that you have of the love that you are transacting, then you feel like God does not love you. You need to understand that God's love is a nature. So when God says, I love you, God is not acting to show you his love. He does as a matter of his person. God's love compelled Jesus to die. The reason why I'm dwelling on it is because our, our view of love is so flawed that we don't appreciate, we, we doubt the love of God for us when we come into hard times. But the love of God should not be doubted because he, the love of God for you can fail if Jesus dies, if God does not exist. Do you understand? If, God is, if, if it's possible for God not to exist, then it is possible for God not to love you. But if, it's, if it is impossible for God not to exist, it's impossible for God not to love you. And that's why when God, Jesus those that I love, I chest. The chastisement is inside his love. The love that we preach from pulpit sometimes is romanticized. And so we just believe that, you know, you hear stories of people who have left the faith and you hear The reasons behind because I don't know everybody's reasons, you know. Because some reasons may be really, like, genuine. And there's no reason that God cannot reach. And there's no question that God cannot answer. I believe that God made us to be inquisitive. That we can ask God questions. But I don't know about questioning God. Because his character is impeccable. And it cannot change regardless of our feelings, thoughts, or anything. But I was saying... That most times when you hear people say they left me, you hear things like, you know, God, God, the Bible says that God is a miracle worker, but I lost a loved one. Does that mean that God does not love me anymore? I prayed and I prayed and I fasted and I held on to God, but God did not come true. These things are real, they are genuine, they can be painful. But Our action does not evoke God's love. God's love is unconditional. That means in your pain, God is right there loving you. And in your struggle, God is right there loving you. And in his goodness, God will come through. Because God is so, what's the word? Sovereign. That God is able to see everything that we don't see. And God actually is good. The point I'm making here is that our love and duty is what binds a family. And our duty is born out of love. And if we are going to be God's arrowhead in replenishing his earth, everything that we do for God has to be born out of his love for us and his love. In us. The Bible records, according to the gospel, that we were not even aware of how dead we are. But then God, who was aware of our dead state, stepped in to give us life by sacrificing his life. So Even while we're yet sinners in Romans 5, Christ died for us. Because we did not have the ability in and of ourselves to acknowledge our need for God because we were dead. Dead does not mean coma or sleeping. Because there's still life and sensation in somebody who is in command, And you know, they advise you to talk to them and sing to them. And in their subconscious, it was not in your subconscious that I was a sinner deserving of death and I needed a savior. It was not there, you were dead unaware. But God gave you his faith to resurrect your, to resurrect you to the point where you could see your need for a savior and then he gave you his life. Now in that equation, God did everything. And he was born out of his love. So there's nothing that you can do that will increase his love for you or decrease it. There's nothing that you can do to extinguish his love or rekindle it. And that's family. That's, that's what family is about. When you function from the security of God's love, That security births your self-esteem. It births your identity. It births your your vision. It births your reason. It births your rationale. It births your why. The security of his love. Praise God. So I will end with this. Sorry, oh sorry. This thing is just ah, God tomorrow. Two things. Pastor Mo talked about something I want to talk about quickly. One of the strategies that, the, because God has a strategy, and the enemy also has a strategy. One of the deceptions that we have led to believe is that, because when we sing, Satan don't fall for ground, we just think that he's an inanimate object, foolish thing. He tried God, God sent him down to the earth. He is nothing. No, 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 no. He's a very wise being and the bible says that we should not be ignorant of the wiles of the deceptions of the enemy and one of the areas that the enemy because the enemy is aware of this strategy of god the enemy is trying so hard to switch up the image of this family of god and bringing different concepts or ideology of what family should look like so the enemy has started by telling you that truth is not absolute when in its very nature all fabric is his absoluteness, right? So truth is not absolute, you have believe your truth, I can believe my truth, whoa, whoa, whoa. bah, right? But the, also, the enemy also knows the authenticity of that, and he allows you to believe that his truths are what are absolute. So all men are liars, all men are cheats, all men are scum. You know it without a shadow of doubt. You know, you hear some lady say, if he doesn't beat me, he doesn't love me. So you are, be- you are believing those things, Oh, you've not heard. Oh, Oh, am I the only one that's heard this? So the enemy is allowing you to doubt the absolute truth of God. But he's introducing his truth as absolute. So is it absolutely true that truth is not absolute? Hear what I said. Is it absolutely true that truth is not absolute? So you believe a truth about a truth. That means, in his nature, truth has to always be absolute. So if you believe that it is absolutely true, that truth is not absolute, that means you believe that this truth has to be absolute. Do you understand? And so the enemy is introducing these lies to you, especially families. my father does not love me, discard. When is your duty? to bend on your knees and pray for the salvation of his soul because it's a mirror image of God's relationship with his children. If your father doesn't get it right, that, that image is distorted by one family. And, and, and you as a minister of reconciliation, that is where you start. Where you have siblings that are not believers and you forsake them and you're evangelizing to the world. You start at home. You sat at home. The last thing I was going to say, children. Children are God's multiplication plan. They are. We are discarding our children for deep revelations and rema. We are going to church and programs. We are leaving them at home with the nannies. What are they teaching them when you are away? I know that you cannot always, my baby is not here. You cannot always be with the children. But you make intentional steps, something that, that the Holy Spirit showed me that blew my mind. The last time in scripture where they audibly heard the voice of God and got his visitation was in the Old Testament. And before Matthew, there was 400 years of absence. 400 years. No, do you know what 400 years is? hundred years of absence but what the Holy Spirit showed me that was so beautiful is that when Jesus appeared there were disciples that were able to recognize that he was the Messiah who was teaching them when they could not hear God who was teaching them so that means parents taught children that became parents, and taught children that became parents, and taught children that became parents, and children that grew up to recognize when the Messiah came. That means the message of of the scriptures then were taught for 400 years, even though there was absence of God's voice. If it was today, we would have discarded God we would have said that God was not real. We would have said that all these things that have been sent us is empty. God did not come through me, cancelled. I'm becoming spiritual now. You know, truth of the word of God don't matter. When the Bible says we should not forsake the gathering of believers, we're like, no, I can worship God on my own. You know, I'm now spiritual. I'm not a Christian. Religion is this. We say all sorts of things because maybe one thing did not come through for us or through it took four. Do you know that if those parents were not diligent about teaching the scriptures, the disciples would not have recognized the Lord. Will, if Jesus tarries, will our children be able to recognize the Lord? I want to, I I, I sent the media team some videos, like two minutes that I wanted to show. We ignore children because we don't believe that they can understand. And earlier I spoke to you about my relationship with my dad, and how he never thought that I was stupid, right? And will always explain any question that I have in a way that we understand. You may be here you don't have children, but you have neighbors. You have nieces and nephews. You have cousins. You may volunteer in the children's church. I beg Ecclesia Hill, I know that they do a group work, and I beg anybody here that's from another church, invest in your children's church. Invest in your children's church children. is not only singing and dancing. They need to understand the doctrines and scriptures. I was telling you of people who have left the faith. And I wonder, that, and sometimes I ask myself, I wonder, I say, what God was preached to these people? Because I know as a psychologist that some of the traumas that we go through as adults started from childhood. But I also know as a believer that some of the truths that I hang on to now are truths that were taught to me from scripture. And don't discard the little things, like teaching our children there were three wise men, when there were not three wise men. It looked like it's something that can be discarded, but that is a deviation from the truth, a pattern that can continue. If we are going to replenish the earth, we have to do it physically and spiritually. And that's also what discipleship is. You have to sit down and know God enough to be able to replicate the right image of God to the next generation. It is your duties, your calling. It is your responsibility. It is your your life. Children, I gave my life to Christ September 14, 1996. I was born 1989. How old was I? Seven years. My mother did not look at me and say I was a child. I would not understand. Don't worry, when she grows up, the problem with that is that what she's not teaching me, I'm learning from somewhere else. And when she thinks that it's ready, she has a lot to contend with for me to get to the place where I can accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Do you understand? Family is God's strategy, and everything that I've said today is this. God has, that's why as believers we are, we are what? Adopted into the what? That's why you don't discard the church of Christ. Because it is God's bride. It's his family plan. When you come to church, you... Is it ready? I'm just stalling because I'm waiting. You end brothers and sisters. That's why you have fathers in the faith. Not, not, not judges of the faith. So number one, we need to pray to God to restore the revelation of father, of his fatherhood to us. And then we need to ask him to teach us how to be proper fathers to the world. Um, Praise God. So if you leave me, I'll just continue. But I just wanted them to... So the video, very briefly, I will pray, and I think maybe if they're ready, they'll show it. It's about different children assimilating the word of God. Yes, it's possible, guys. It's possible. If you see a a, a neighbor that's not taking care of their children, that's not the time to be criticizing their parenting. That's an opportunity. Do you think that witches, when they go to classrooms, they are negotiating, oh, they don't take good care of these children? No, they are on mission. They are on mission. When you see witches trying to indoctrinate children, they are on mission. They don't think anybody is too small or anybody is too big. They are on mission. Now, we who carry the words of life, we ought to be on mission. Don't give up on your family. Use it as a practice place for the expansion of God's kingdom on earth. So that you can know in your heart, if God can do it for my family, then God can do it everywhere. While they're working, on it, let's just pray. Let's just pray. Just lift up your hands to God in a minute. Say, God. Reveal your fatherhood to me and then teach me how to be a proper father to the world, to replicate your message and your kingdom and your word. Let these words that we speak Let these words that you give us, this spirit, this life, let it awaken, you know, let it give us life. Let the life, the Zoe life of God, birth the true intents of God in our hearts in such a way that is our lived out experience. Teach us to be good husbands and wives and daughters and sons and brothers and sisters and uncles and aunties and granddads and grandmoms teach us to see this opportunity of family as a springboard to replenish your earth Father we give you praise for in Jesus name Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at elo